So I was telling them, I was like, it's not a rat dropping. It's a giant chocolate chip. And they well, just that like, just makes sense. They weren't, I know, they were just weren't getting it. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> oh, hello. there. Welcome in. Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast, coming to you live from the TCQ video store, where you can pick up the best and worst in horror for only 69 cents a day. Welcome in, fellow queerdos. Opinions are like assholes, and I'm an asshole. My name is Raymond. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I was kicked out of a jack in a box for continually asking for shrimp cocktail. My name is Nick. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is stupid. Welcome, Welcome to guys. November, queerdos. It is officially the start of the holiday season. Time to start freaking out, panic buying, planning oh trips. Getting ready. Please, not the panic buying. <laughs> but we hope you had a fantastic and safe Halloween. How was your month of October? Did you see any new movies? Did you go any to any other haunts? How did you celebrate the best time of the year? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we obviously saw Halloween Kills twice. Wow. <laughs> you can hear all of our feelings about Halloween Kills over at Fear the Talking Queers channel. We had a special guest spot on their Halloween episode. So we saw Halloween Kills. What I feel like we saw another spooky movie and just oh we watched uh, Malignant. <gasps> oh yes. Oh my god. I completely the trauma blocked out Malignant. <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah, that was a, a pretty wild ride that I was not expecting. Oh absolutely. Um, and we, of course we did our hunts. We did uh, Not Scary Farm. We mm-hmm. did Horror Nights. I think those were the only two we were able to hit this year. Um, but we also did like this really cute pumpkin patch. And we did, like, Awaken the Spirits, which was a really cool convention. I'm so jealous that you got to go to Awaken the Spirits. You got so many cute things there. Oh, I know. What, how was your spooky season? Spooky season was busy. I, we were very, very busy the month of October. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I did get to go to Denver's Pumpkin Patch. And it was so stinking cute. Every, there was a ridiculous amount of pumpkins. There was one section, Jackie, where it was dinosaurs made out of pumpkins. <gasps> it was so cute. It was so cute. Uh, we also got to hit up one of the local haunts here, the Haunted Mines here in Colorado Springs. Okay, first off, I was expecting to actually be in some mines so i was like mentally preparing for like dirt and nastiness oh god and then when we got there i was like what is this parking lot from pacoima like (laughs) (laughs) not pacoima but it did it it completely blew me out of the water to use your your phrasing because it was the production the actors at one point there was a giant like basilisk snake head that flew <gasps> from the darkness and scared the crap out of me highly suggest if anyone ever yes. wants to go such a great time uh, like you said halloween kills and please please check out fear the talking queers i will link them in this week's description 
because we had a lot of things to say about Halloween kills. We had a lot of opinions. You don't need to be confused and you have lots of opinions of me tonight. But besides that, I also finally got to check out the Chucky series. And oh my goodness, I was completely blown yes. away by what was on my TV screen. Yes, yes. I just want to quickly touch on it because I... I think when we first talked about it, I wasn't really on board. I mean, I was on board just for Brad Dourif returning and Don Mancini. Absolutely. I didn't think that a Chucky series would necessarily work. Like, I didn't know how or they were going to do it. Yeah, but already seeing just the first two episodes and the route they've taken and the storyline and the character, I, I love it. And I love this last episode where uh, Chucky actually talks about um, his son. And Glenn and Glenda. <laughs> Shitface. <I love> his <laughs> name is Shitface. Your name is Shitface. You know the <laughs> Shitface. But it's it's a great. I I it was something I didn't know I needed, and I, I'm mm -hmm. really enjoying the series. At least as of now. I echo the sentiments completely. I didn't know I needed this super queer, hilarious, irrelevant, and amazingly like cared for TV project. I have, I have nothing but really good things to say about the Chucky TV series. I believe Destination 180, who will be visiting us this month, uh, mm. are doing a Chucky series on their Patreon, so please check them out. But since it is Halloween time 24-7, 365 at TCQ Video, we have decided that the theme for the month of November will be our Halloween hangovers. <laughs> we are talking movies that still give us the spirit of Halloween since we cannot say goodbye to our favorite month. For this week's recommended rental, we are diving into our first anthology film and our very first found footage flick. Listeners, this week we are rewinding and pressing play on the VHS from 2012. Okay, here's the deal. We gotta break into this house, and all we have to do is steal this one VHS tape. Found it. You got it? Yeah. Which one is it? I don't know, man. Let's just look at these tapes, okay? What's so special about this tape, anyway? You can find this wild anthology cassette tape on AMC Plus and a ton of completely random streaming services. Some I've, I didn't even know was a thing. Like Snap, Crackle, and Pop. Like Snap, Crackle, Pop, a Fubo, Voodoo. I watch mine on Voodoo. What the fuck is a Voodoo? I don't know, but I watch it for free with ads. But besides that, it's only available for rent or purchase. I'm a little annoyed that they took it off of Netflix because that's how I watched it. Ooh, well, let's talk about that when we head on over to. It's equally Four twenty. What you smoking? What did you smoke with this week's watch? This week's watch. Excuse me while I grab it. We got some pre-rolls from. Ooh, product actually Richard bought us some pre-rolls from. Oh, a shop called the Marijuana Factory. Oh, that's cute. This is. 
oh, I ripped off the tag, but it is a sativa dominant <laughs> hybrid uh, joint. I needed something. I needed something that couldn't like like get me too deep into the hole because this movie's pretty wild, especially it is because very wild. The editing is sort of a choice because it's found footage, and so you kind of have to like be able to focus. <laughs> and then, so I needed something that wasn't gonna fuck me up because there's a lot to take in here. There's absolutely a ton to take in on this movie, but that sounds super tasty. You got to make sure that you're super uh, in a very comfortable spot while you're high to watch <laughs> yes. this one. Yes, you have to be in a good high. It has to be a good middle ground. You can't be too high, but you need to. You need something. Do not watch this over, please. <laughs> All you do, you you keep smoking weed, 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 weed. Well, you know what? Sit in jail and pay the price. That's all I can say. Oh, God. <laughs> we already know how Raymond feels this episode. So what did you smoke with this week's screening? This week, I picked up some new stuff because, of course, I was low. Girl's busy, and she needs to stay medicated. She's always low. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Uh, this week I smoked Blackberry Cross with Blueberry, which is Ooh. a strain I haven't smoked or touched in a very, 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 very long time. Um, it's kind of like a classic for a lot of people. It is an indica, and the high is so mellow, and I kind of needed it because, yes, you are correct. This editing is a choice. I am so stoked to talk about this. While we're all taking our hits and passing the bowls, how do you feel, first off, about anthologies? They, I don't know. I feel like I have mixed feelings. Like, they either work really well or they don't work at all. And I feel like before, without giving away my feelings about it, I feel like VHS kind of walks this fine line between the two. Um, So, like, yeah, I feel like anthology films are either really, really solid. Like, something like, I consider Trick or Treat an anthology uh, movie. Would you? I would kind of. Yeah. An anthology type of, like, mood. I wouldn't necessarily categorize it right away as an anthology movie. Okay, that's fair. Well, that's, like, when I would consider this really well done, but I guess it's not a traditional... And Like, what's your favorite, like, anthology movie? You know what? Right off the bat, I can't even think of one. The, See, only, like... <laughs> the only thing that I can really think... Well, I've watched a few. Um, there's actually one that's very good. The Mortuary Collection on Shudder. That is mm, fantastic. I've heard... It's like a series, right? No, it's a it's a film, and I would oh, consider that one more so an anthology because I, for me, well, let's talk about it. Anthology series, I feel like have to have a format and a setup of multiple different stories, either connected by one strong, like one string, in order for it to work. Trick or treat mm-hmm. for me doesn't really it doesn't consider it for me because they're so interwoven that they're one piece together compared to something yeah. like VHS where they're completely separate stories. This is true, because Trigger Treat's, like, like, almost all one story, just from different points of view. Yeah, that's exactly, I think that's the best way to put it, on this one wild and crazy Trick or Treat night. Uh, But how do you feel about the found footage genre? I am always, I'm always, like, very hit or miss with the found footage genre. I knew it! I knew it! Um, I'm... I'm a film school geek. Like I appreciate good cinematography and that mm-hmm. most of the time with found footage, good cinematography is lost. It's either lost or it's non-existent because in order for found footage to be real, in order for the audience to buy it, it's got to be like, for lack of a better term, like shaky and awful. <laughs> so I just feel like I, it's hard for me to like envelop myself in the story when it feels like I'm just watching a videotape. Like, there's very few found footage films that can completely envelop me in the story without it 
without me feeling like I'm on the outside looking in. And one of them, and I feel like it's going to be a controversial statement, so fight me in the parking lot. Oh my but God. one of the found footage films that that can really envelop me is Paranormal Activity, um, the marked ones. I'm about to beat this bitch up. That was a nice I twist. I love that one it's a nice twist in the series that went a completely different route from the previous films and so i think because i was able to connect to the characters because they're also brown and from the hood and like i i felt like i knew these characters i knew their neighborhoods so maybe that was part of the reason why i was able to get lost in the story rather than feeling like i was on the outside looking in um but that's one of the few i mean because the majority of the time found footage is Hello, white people. White people Mm -hmm. with their security cameras or with their fancy new video cameras. Because as just like brown people from different backgrounds, I don't necessarily have access to technology to record. Until now, I would say, quite honestly, with your phones and everything. But Uh I, so my feeling towards found footage is very hit or miss just like you but i do think that it is as a genre that is immediately dismissed and disregarded because of the way that it's shot i do think you are correct kind of like with traditional filming you need certain qualities shots are are needed and all of this other stuff but i feel like it becomes super complicated to try and do that within found footage can either be really Mm -hmm. lazy and not well done and super shitty or we can get some of these short films that genuinely scare me. Yes, this is true. This is very, very true. It's like we said, we both said it. It's very hurt or miss in this genre. Huh? Uh, what? We'll just get into it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. So let's check out the back of this VHS to figure out how this movie was made. VHS released. It had a Sundance Film Festival debut of January 22nd, 2012, but a limited release on October 5th of 2012. With a runtime of 116 minutes, it is rated R. And I could... I forgot how long this movie is. Bitch, you're telling me. I thought because it was a found footage film, I was like, oh, this is probably gonna be like 90 minutes, if that. This is a long f-ing movie. I had to take breaks. Ah, uh-huh, not my problem. I legit took, I had to take, like, between two of the short films, I was like, okay. Er, er, pause. Time to take a quick smoke break. Let me get back into it. <laughs> I think the runtime is a little bit of a detriment because there are some scenes in this movie where I'm like, we could have cut this. I could have cut this. A lot, bitch. A lot of it could have been cut. There was so much fluff in there and no, just no. We'll talk about it. There's one specific short film that is so much fluff that it lags the film and it, of course, is in the middle. Of course. For our tagline... (laughs) <laughs> we have one tagline for this film. It's actually a good tagline, in my opinion. This collection is killer. Very solid, straight, and to the point. It's solid. <laughs> it's how she likes them. It's like it's how you like to go cruising. Short, simple, end it fast. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to reviews. IMDb, give it a 5.8 out of 10. Metacritic, give it a 55 out of 100. AV Club gave it a B. It's probably one of the highest scores we've seen AV Club give. I know. And Rotten Tomatoes, they got a 57% on the tomato meter and a 41% audience score. Rightfully so. Ooh, I was just going to ask how you felt. Rightfully so, bitch. I agree with these scores. 
Oh, we're going to get into it because I already know this is going to be an arguing episode. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> moving on for production, I'm going to let everybody know this was the least amount I can find on research for any film we have done in the entirety of this show. And I'm including movies like Leprechaun 4 when he goes to in space. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, don't ever talk to me about Leprechaun again. For our production, we have an estimated budget of $242,000, which is minusculely small for the worldwide gross of a million dollars that it would make back eventually. But That's insane. That's crazy for a limited release movie, which is why I think this is such a cult classic and why it has spawned now three separate sequels, VHS 2, VHS Viral, and the most recently released, VHS, I believe, 1994? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a huge hit. I remember watching it, and uh, it... It was there. It did things. Oh my god. (laughs) My one fun fact. We have one fun fact. Singular. Enjoy it. (laughs) In an interview with IndieWire, Brad Miska, founder of Bloody Disgusting, and one of the film's producers stated, For VHS, we want to tell people that have a relationship via Bloody Disgusting, a group of trusted filmmakers who we thought would want to take part in this. They pitched us our ideas, then came to us with treatments and scripts. It was like... If you like this, go do your thing. In terms of the movie itself getting greenlit, the storyline that runs through the whole movie was something that had originally been discussed. So we just went with the decided upon streamlined story and just let filmmakers go do their thing, which is kind of a reverse of how you're supposed to do a movie like this. You're supposed to do that last. It became a fill in the hole type project. What can we put here? What can we put there? You know, what would amp it up here? So it was a living project, a living film, if you will. Bitch, does it show. Totally shows. This script is, besides the fact that these are very minimal scripts, usually found footage films are, and they can get Mm -hmm. away with it. Speaking of which, Blair Witch Project, bare minimum, all they did was uh, improv um, almost all of their Almost everything, yeah. So it can be done. This, though, is very evident. And I think it's very evident with the mainstream line that's supposed Mm -hmm. to connect everything together. But we'll Mm -hmm. get into it when we get there. And that's it, everyone. That's what we learned on the behind the scenes. (laughs) There was zero behind the scenes for this. There's, like, nothing to scrounge up here, unfortunately. Yeah, because it's such, like, an indie film. And because everybody went out and did their own thing separately, there was no, like oh, we're going to have this behind-the-scenes person recording mm-hmm. footage for... Like, there was there was none of that. And this is, like, their first film produced by Bloody Disgusting, so it was bare-bones, bitch. Very, very bare-bones. Because I still don't think Bloody Disgusting is what it is now compared to what it was back in 2012. But... No, I don't think so either. I'm a huge, huge fan of Bloody Disgusting. So when I found out that this movie was being released, I had to get my hands on it. Did Do you remember the first time you watched this movie? Yeah, if I'm not... Yeah, I remember watching this on... I want to say it was Netflix. If it wasn't Netflix, then it was definitely, like, we redboxed it. Um, I watched it with my best friends at their house with drinks, of course. And I remember the first story very vividly. The first one is my favorite. And I remember we kept quoting the young woman on it. I'm not going to jump forward. Just see, I'm not going to ruin it. But we kept quoting her all night. And uh, till this day, we still quote her. (laughs) 
So I I were I had memories in my mind of really enjoying this movie. Mm-hmm. So I was shocked oh and God. appalled by what was on my TV screen this time around because I have not seen this movie in years. Like it's been a long time. So I only really remember that first story and I remember enjoying it. But I think I had on like I I think I had way more fun at night because I was like drunk and with my best friends. And I, so I thought I enjoyed the movie because I have a different opinion today. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't blame you. So my recollection of this movie, I remember this very, very vividly. Because 2012, I just finished high school. I, I believe I was in my first year of college. This was immediately after my huge horror obsession that like began in freshman year and continued on into seniors, to being a senior. And here I am now. Hello, fully obsessed. Oh wow! I remember tracking this movie down, finding this movie, and forcing all of my friends to watch it. And I have the same reaction. <laughs> I remember being in love with this movie, just astounded by what was in front of me. Because we mm-hmm. also have to remember when this movie came out. This is 2012. We are now on Paranormal Activity 3. I believe Wreck already came out. We uh-huh. are newest one that had just come out that I also forced my partner to go see was The Devil Inside You. That horrible, horrible oh. found footage that ended on Go to This Website. Does anyone remember this? Because I'm I, still I upset. remember the movie, but I didn't watch it. I still haven't seen it. Don't. Don't. <laughs> I'm still upset. The found footage was hot. It was a new oh. thing to do again, was to make these found footage films. You make them on the cheap, which is why I think so many people were hesitant towards this one. Because Paranormal Activity 3 is we're finally winding down on the found footage craze. As much as the rose-tinted glasses were still there, and I can see now where this movie has a lot of faults, what is presented, though, I, I honestly, I still enjoy. I still enjoy, but there's many problems. Mm-hmm. And we'll mm-hmm. get to those problems when I get a snack on this commercial break. Let's uh, go, go to the, the lobby. lobby. Let's, Let's uh, go, go to the, the lobby. lobby. Let's uh, go, go to the lobby. lobby to get ourselves a snack. Hey! <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome back. So we're going to begin on this week's recommended rental. It is going to be VHS, and let's just go right into it. Our first segment is going to be Tape 56, or essentially the main frame of our movie. This particular segment mm-hmm. is directed by Adam Wingard, who directed Your Next in 2011 and The Guest in 2014, and most recently Godzilla vs. Kong in 2021. Jesus Christ, man. We, we have yet to talk about Your Next, and I absolutely <sighs> know it is on our list for sure, because we both have a deep adoration and love for Your Next. The people can't see me, but she's going off. Be wow. I can't wait. I can't wait. I, your next is for sure coming. I, I love that movie. But be aware, some people wrote this and they started other people's movies. This person, you're going to know from this thing. Everybody worked on everybody's like segments of this movie, which I think is adorable. It totally like adds to like some sort of camaraderie. But a lot of these people, mm-hmm. I also didn't know that I knew because I've known them from other things. And when I watched this, I was like, <laughs> you. You. Like, I'm ever going to win an award playing you. you. <laughs> <laughs> this one was also written by Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett, who is also the writer of The Guest in Your Next. This is just a wonderful... We've seen this with Carpenter, and we've seen this with Craven. 
when you find people you like to work with, you're gonna keep working with them. Yeah, when it works, it works. Starring in our cast, we have Calvin Reeder as Gary, Lane Hughes as Zach, Kentucker Oddly as Rox, and Adam Wingard as Brad, as well as Simon Barrett as Steve. <sighs> Pump the brakes real quick. <laughs> these, it's hard it to is. tell these men apart, mm-hmm. especially it, they're all white cisgender males. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. So occasionally we might refer to them as the blonde one, the mean one, the toxic masculine one. I don't know. What do you mean the blonde one and the mean one and the toxic mask? That's all of them. That's every single one of these characters. I will say this straight out the gate and you guys can hate me for it later. I cannot stand literally every male character in this movie. Every male character in this movie are pieces of garbage mama they are just but one of them is really hot oh god he's so hot i already know which one you're talking about but like uh-huh. this movie is so broy. it is the most broy movie i have we've ever seen on it this channel it was like walking by lids in the mall oh my god what the f- is up kyle no what did you say dude? what the f- dude step the f- up kyle <laughs> Pitbull is playing loudly. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is very evidently written by just like white men. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. They need representation. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) (laughs) You go wash your mouth though with soap. Oh, goodness. Let's go straight into this one. The way that we're going to break down this episode, listeners, is we're just going to break down the director, writer, starring for each segment and talk about it as if they're just like mini movies that we talk about. We open straight away watching some old VHS tapes. Everything is from a point of view shot and we are in a car with men wearing black ski masks. They are stalking a couple in a parking garage and they pull over, jump out, and begin physically assaulting the woman, holding her down while they lift her skirt and expose her breasts as she screams for help. The men laugh and run off. We cut to the same men breaking into an abandoned home and completely destroying it, smashing all of its windows, mirrors, light fixtures, and smashing holes into the walls. The cameraman is unknowingly taping over a... (laughs) Sorry for... So this is like a little side (laughs) story. In addition to his VHS tapes is that the cameraman is unknowingly or knowingly taping over a homemade sex tape of his friend and a woman. So a lot of these scenes are intercut with quick scenes of them starting to have sex. And eventually the woman ends up finding the hidden camera. And it's actually pretty funny. (laughs) Um, It's it's an editing choice. It is very much an editing choice. I dig the editing choice, though, because if you're a film called VHS, you need to have segments of accidentally recording over important shit. (laughs) Yeah. I think one of my birthdays is recorded over when we went to Disneyland, I think, in one of our VHSs. <laughs> I am mad at it, but, like, who needs to see my fifth birthday anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Not I. I was there. I don't want to remember that I shit. I hate you. <laughs> the men are now home reviewing the tape they've made and admiring their work and discussing how to make money off of these tapes. Talking about how they need to step it up and go up skirts. <laughs> 
<sighs> I know. They head out for a job where all they need to do is break into a home and steal a VHS tape. It could possibly lead to more paying work. We join the men as they break into an old man's home to steal said tape. As they search the house, they quickly realize it's virtually empty except for one room. They find the homeowner dead in a room in a recliner with several TVs, white noise blaring on the screens. The tape they're looking for is not there, so they head down to search the rest of the home. One of the men makes the cameraman stay with the dead body, and as he waits, he decides to see what the old man was watching before he croaked. He pushes in the tape and hits play. So let's discuss this opening video, right? No. I, no. This no. Hard to watch. It in is extremely difficult to watch. I this was I I whoo why I I so I guess they wanted to establish that these men are horrible people. Mm-hmm. They're terrible people. They're obviously crooks, and so you they stormed the capital. Like, they stormed the capital. <laughs> <laughs> you said what you said. Um, I. So it, it it makes them instantly unlikable. Absolutely. You do not side with these men whatsoever. So your I was curious as to where we're going to go with these men because I instantly hate them. Mm-hmm. No, and I fully agree. You're it is very uncomfortable to literally within the first minute. It is an assault. So it mm-hmm. sets up what you're kind of getting geared for, but I will state that is no, they do it. No, there's another storyline. Never mind. I'm going to take it back. I was going to say that this is probably the most offensive part of the movie. Nope. Never mind. We have more. No. We have so much it's more. Not. We have so much more. <laughs> Honey, you've got a big storm coming. It is. You are right. It is incredibly difficult for me just as an audience member. And I guess we are speaking from our perspectives, which is important of brown queer people watching this movie mm-hmm. and watching white guys like do horrible, like teenage horrible shit. And, we're watching white guys do white guy shit. I mean... Is that true? It's very true. Relate, but it does intrigue you as to what the f*** is going on. Yeah. Because this setup of this house and the visual of the TVs and the dead man, I will state, I vividly mm-hmm. remember just, we were having, I watched this with friends too. I was having a great time. Everything was good. And we went silent silent the minute that imagery came up. So I have to give credit to Adam Wingard. You are effectively pulling me in by me not enjoying these characters. So when crazy shit happens, I just want to know when they get it. (laughs) I just want to know. Breasts. When do we see Jamie Lee's breasts? (laughs) I feel that. I agree 100% on the visual of them discovering the dead man in the room with the TVs. It is a great visual. It is something I would love to see in a haunted house. Ooh, I wouldn't want to walk past Oh, it. I would. And then instead of, like, the man getting up, like, somebody comes up from behind the TVs and, like, booga, 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 booga. Uh, I agree. This visual of the dead man with the TVs and the stacks of VHS tapes, it's creepy. And it's a beautiful visual for something called VHS. I do understand that we needed a device to string all these together. So within the story, they find hundreds of tapes. So they don't know which tape it is. They don't know who sent them here. They just know that we got money, that we're supposed to be here, and this is what's going to happen. They are low-collar criminals who barely understand the assignment. Essentially. So moving on to segment two. It's called Amateur Night. It is directed by David Bruckner, director of The Ritual, which came out in 2017, and most recently, Nighthouse, that dropped in 2020. 
which I still need to watch. I want to watch Nighthouse so bad, and I still try to get you to watch Ritual. Yeah, I still haven't watched Ritual. I remember you keep. It's I know, so good. I know. You keep telling me I just haven't watched. But Nighthouse. I mean, they both look really, really good. Don't get me wrong. It's not just visually. Yeah, it's not just interest. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, We're busy. I'm a busy. Girl. She's booked and blessed. Written by David Bruckner as well, uh, teaming up with Nicholas Tukowski. Starring Hannah Fearman as Lily, Mike Donlin as Shane, Joe Skies as Patrick, Drew Sawyer as Clint, and Jasper Sams as Lisa. The tape begins with yet another group of cisgendered white males. They are in a seedy motel room preparing to record a porno. They have peer pressured their friend into wearing glasses with a hidden camera. We join them on their night out, reeking of toxic masculinity and spewing out cheesy, cringeworthy pickup lines. We meet a woman at a bar with big doe eyes who keeps saying, I like you. The man invites her to join him and his friends. She just sits in the corner silently. After the men are kicked out of the bar, they drive drunk back to their motel. In the car, they talk both of the women into doing a bump of coke. They finally reach their destination and lure the women back into the room. This is yet another uncomfortable setup. It is I, It is very uncomfortable. First of consent. Like, I do. I, this does not read well at no. all in 2021 no. having Trigger warning. secret cameras very much having secret cameras and trying to record and to d- just do gross shit is just not okay so it's you're right it is another uncomfortable group of characters that i really don't like no, off the bat you don't like them because even before they head out to the bar and start doing the creepy shit with women, they already peer pressure their nerdy little friend into wearing these, what are they called? Like secu- like secret lens glasses or whatever. Do you remember the 3D glasses like kids would wear when they would pop out the lenses? The ones that you would theaters? wear, you mean? I hate <laughs> guess. Yes. You know what? You know what? I'm going to come. I'm going to come forward. Yes. I did it. We all did it. No, we all did no, it. not we all. I didn't do it. <laughs> that was you, bitch. And you were still, you wouldn't even scratch off the side. It would still say real 3D on the side. I took a Sharpie to it. How dare you? <laughs> but they do pressure his, their like meek, mild friend into joining the night of debauchery. <laughs> I've met these guys when I'm out and about. These Ugh. are the guys where I tense up whenever we walk past them. It's uncomfortable, but I will state when they're in the car and they do the bumps of cocaine, which, by the way, what is this, 1992? <laughs> I expect I expect better. I expect better from you. Oh, my anyway, God. I love when the girl gets aggressive. Not the big doe-eyed individual, but the redhead. Uh-huh. She's just like, yeah, don't tell us what to f***ing do. We're grown adults. And she just smacks. She smacks him. Yeah. I shoot. <laughs> none, of these, none of these characters are likable. No, absolutely not. In the room, the couples begin to get a little more comfortable, but the strange woman begins to get even weirder as she hisses and groans, and only repeating back what the men are saying to her. When the other man's date passes out, he grows angry and tries to make a move on the strange woman. As he closes in on her on the bed, he strips off her clothes, revealing some gross, claw-like feet. And as they begin to have sex, she quickly takes control and gets the man on his back. Things escalate too quickly for the cameraman, and the woman brings him into it as well as their other friend. He runs to the bathroom for a breather. When he does, the third man comes barging into the bathroom with a bloody hand, explaining the woman bit him. 
We all head back to the room where the woman is still straddling the man when she screams out and reveals a new creature-like face. She quickly tears into the man she was just straddling and the other two men run and hide in the bathroom. The men occasionally check on the man as she drags him into the corner to finish feeding. So, we talked about the setup and not liking these characters. I will always admit, and I do not care, that I enjoy it's the catharsis of horror of seeing people get their comeuppance mm-hmm. and getting kind of what they deserve i think she just got mad because she didn't he didn't let her put a finger up his ass and she's just like i want to try it <laughs> don't be afraid of your buttholes guys that's just like the P- that's the theme in the psa that's the name of this week's episode. No. Don't be afraid of PSA your PSA for this episode is going to be to wash your butthole. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. A little warm water and soap down there. You need to leave. But I will say, we get... This movie gives us so much man-ass. I'm not mad at that. And Dick. But I find we, we see Dick in this. But I find that so... We do see Dick. But we... <laughs> but we do, I got so excited. <laughs> You did. It wasn't that good, girl. <laughs> but I find it so interesting from such a broy frat guy movie that there's Same. so much man ass. It's so gay. There was a lot. I'm like we said, we're not mad at the man ass, especially at the end, girl. Girl, my favorite story hasn't even got here. But <laughs> but I appreciate the the male nudity uh, ratio to female nudity because as we I all know in the horror genre, especially in slashers. The female nudity is always amped up to the, like, maximum. And we see nothing of the men. If you're lucky, you see an ass. If you're lucky. And hopefully it's a good ass. I know. So the escalation of this this scene, I do have to give credit where credit is due. Because I am so tense and mm-hmm. uncomfortable with this buildup of them coercing her into, like, having sex. And at one point, she does enjoy herself. And she is having a good time, I will mm-hmm. state. But that quickly changes when she needs to start feeding. And I love the change in dramatics. I will state, I jumped, because it is, I do think it's an excellent jump scare, when mm-hmm. the friend jumps in naked, more man-ass, and just bleeding. It. I think this escalation is well executed. I have to give that credit. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Like I said, this first story is one of my favorite mm-hmm. in the, one of my favorites in the anthology. And it's because it's really well done and it's kind of it takes you off guard because at first you're you're feeling very bad and you feel like you're going to see something really horrible happen in this motel room until she's obviously into it at one point and then she completely flips the script and takes control and just fucking starts mutilating these bastards. Because the gore in this movie, I have to say, even for the budget that they had, a lot of it is really well done. Not all of it is executed well. That's just budgetary constraints. But mm-hmm. the the effects that they're trying to do are excellent. Because from here... They arm themselves with a shower curtain rod and attempt to make a getaway, only to be taken down by the siren. As the cameraman watches in horror as she drains the blood from his friend's lifeless body, he makes a getaway out of the room and down the stairs, where his socks make him slip and fall down a flight of stairs, leaving him immobile. The woman catches up to him, and we get a full reveal of her creature look. She explains, 
I like you. When she realizes the man doesn't like her back, she cowers in the corner and begins to sob uncontrollably, and her voice begins to distort. He tries to make his way out and run for help, and just as he finds somebody, he is quickly snatched up and is in the air and is revealed that the woman has fully transformed into the creature with wings. She carries him across the night sky as he screams. The camera glasses are dropped, hitting the ground and ending our first tape. This shit is dope. Oh my god. Oh my god. It escalates so quickly. Yes, like, it does. It, like, as soon as we get in the hotel room, we, it got really uncomfortable, and then it hit, like, a, a part where we just like, started ramping up the speed. And oh, they hit the gas, take off and then they the hit the sky. Absolutely. I have to mention, it is probably my favorite gore effect that they use in this movie, is when the second friend, who was naked, tries to go get her, and is, by the way, is taken down so quickly by her. It's freaking hilarious. But when she starts murdering him, at one point, the friend cowers in fear before he runs. She bites off his penis and trucks it. <gasps> she does. And we cower in fear as we get like a full three to five second shot of just mutilated penis. Wow. That was so powerful. Academy Award. <laughs> penis? Just <laughs> We love to see it. Oh my we god. We love to see it. Oh my god. Feminist horror at its best. <laughs> but ooh, this this whole it they she flipped the script so quick and she started taking them out one by one so quickly. And I, you almost want to, like, you want him to get away almost. Like, by this point, you're kind of on his side. Because, in all honesty, he's kind of sort of, like, the nicest of the bunch. He's kind of just guilty by association because he has horrible, shitty friends. Because in the beginning, he didn't really want to do this. Um, and so he's trying to get away. And then, of course, he slips because he's wearing those ugly little dress socks that white boys love to wear. And <laughs> those, ultimately, is his downfall. With their New Balance shoes. <laughs> They look so good with khakis, though. Ooh. I like you. We didn't even really mention the I like you. And we did, but we didn't, like, it's a recurring thing in this tape where she's just saying, I like you. Genuinely terrifying. I know that they augmented her eyes to appear bigger when we first Mm -hmm. meet her. And, like, further apart, I feel like. I don't mean this in a bad way, but miss, ma'am, you have a face for horror. You just have, like, this emoting (laughs) face. That can just, like, you stare into my soul. Because the second time we see her, the effects, like I said, budgetary constraints, even with those budgetary constraints, this effect is wicked. I love the close-up shot that we get of all of the makeup and her face. Because she doesn't just realize that he doesn't like her because she he's cowering in fear. She tries to blow him. Huh? What, you want some dick? And because he's not responding, what? Like, legit. Yeah, she, she legitimately does. tries to go down on him. And because he's not reciprocating, she understands no. She cowers in fear, and then that's when she attacks him, and she doesn't understand no. She's the only one who understands no. Because the effect of him running through the, the, the hotel and everybody freaking out because he's a half-naked man who's bloodied, of course I wouldn't know how to help him. I love the hotel guest clerk. Because she's like, uh-uh, you can, no, I'm not opening the door. Uh-huh. No. She's like, we got, we got bulletproof glass right here. Come talk to me through the hole. Way else, what I've told every guy. <laughs> but the effect of him being tossed up and thrown up in the air is insane because you don't know what the f- just happened for like a good two seconds. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. And then it's not until he glances up and then you see her in full regalia, Mama, with her wings and hair flying in the wind. And then the glasses are just dropped from hundreds of feet in the air and they just hit the parking lot ground. And that's where the tape ends. And I think it's like a solid ending to this like little vignette that we just were led into i think the reason why and we keep talking about it is that these characters are insufferable so when they do get this killing which was so uncomfortable and the ending is so abrupt and fast i think it's super satisfying this Mm -hmm. eventually turned into a a spinoff full feature film called siren oh i didn't know that For our next tape, the segment three is titled Second Honeymoon. It is directed and written by Ty West, who directed House of the Devil in 2009. Highly suggest, I very much enjoyed that one, but was also in your next and also now does quite a bit of television. He worked on Scream and The Exorcist, which is awesome. But Ty, I love Ty because Ty is the director boyfriend in your next who gets the arrow in the forehead when the first attack happens. Oh, it also stars Joe Swanberg as Sam, who's also from Your Next and plays an asshole in that one and plays an asshole in this one. (laughs) So he's just an asshole. Sophia Tacall as Stephanie and Caitlin Scheel as Girl. We are back with the man in the room with the dead body. The men continue to search the house for this elusive videotape. They find a huge collection of tapes in the basement and decide to take them all, not knowing which one their employer wants. Back in the room with the dead homeowner, we pop in another VHS tape. Because why not? The first one was so riveting. In this tape, we are joining a young couple, Sam and Stephanie, on their road trip. We get really boring shots of them filming things on the road and petting a random donkey in some small Midwestern town. As they explore the small town, Stephanie gets her future told by Zoltar. I mean, the prospector. He tells her that she'll soon have a turn of events in her life. He tells her that she'll soon have a turn of events in her life and a reunion with a loved one. So this is where the movie really dips for me. A lot, a lot of this Mm -hmm. exposition stuff can be cut. I don't care where this couple is going. I don't care that you guys are on a road trip. I really don't start caring until, like, the creepy stuff starts happening. I have a, I have such a weird mixed feeling on this one, and I want you to go first before I can fully like explain my reasonings. So I agree. I feel like uh, we definitely do take a dip here. I feel like it dips even more after this, to be honest. Um, but this is definitely where the dip begins, and it's boring. Like I stated in the break, like this quick synopsis of this first scene, it's boring. We get and it shots- goes on for a minute. It does. We get shots from the road in a car. We get shots of them stopping at a rest stop, petting a donkey, like trying, do I look good in a cowboy hat? Should I get one? Like, it's the dumbest shit. Like, all of that could have been cut. Yeah. It's it's a lot of exposition, and it doesn't start getting semi-interesting until Zoltar. So, the, if that. What? If that. So, oh God. So the exposition dump is my... Honestly, my only real gripe with found footage, besides the fact that I get a little, I'm yes, I'm one of those people that get dizzy sometimes watching found footage. Okay, yeah, I, it can happen. Okay, but with found footage, there's always so much exposition that is boring. To be mm-hmm. very frank, because within regular film setups, the exposition happens naturally. It needs to happen in a way that works within your storyline. With this, you have no choice. But to have your character filming random shit to show the audience that we're look we're do we're this is this someone's, is believable. We're this doing is this. believable, 
in my opinion, the last segment does that far more effectively and quickly than this one does with its setup. Because this one's setup is just some boring couple going on some boring road trip. They don't even get drunk. Like, what are you guys doing? They don't even have sex. Oh, well, actually, I kind of attempted. Never mind. But yeah, I agree. It's boring. It's really boring. And it, it's I really boring. don't really appreciate it until the twist at the end. Spoiler alert. I would say so, twist. too. Well, let's move on. We're back in yet another seedy motel room. Sam attempts at making a sex tape, and it is very awkward. As the scene drags on way too long, it is finally interrupted by a... At the door, Sam says, it's a girl. We cut to footage of a lone woman walking the street outside the motel. Sam sits down and explains what happens. He says the young woman asks if they could give her a ride the following day. He says, quote, it was really creepy. He goes on to state, she's not physically intimidating, but as soon as I saw her, I was nervous. There was something really scary. This is where things actually start to get a little more interesting because we're not watching them pet donkeys. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, so don't talk about your ex like that. Ah! <laughs> so there's uh, a strange woman outside who needs a ride the next day, and apparently she's just approaching random doors in the motel. I don't know. This is all we've got so far. But I forgot about the the sex tape scene. It was very uncomfortable and very awkward. I don't understand why there's so much like unwarranted physical touching and sexual things happening in this movie every guy in this movie is obsessed why is every like straight guy obsessed with making a sex tape whenever they can in movies like it doesn't i don't understand it i don't know that's because i don't have to ask for it when i make my tapes because honey (laughs) (laughs) i will agree with you though this is where things start turning and it turns for honestly the better the couple chop it up to them being in the drug problem area of the state and try to get some sleep the camera then turns back on and begins recording sam asleep in the bed and then shows stephanie in bed as well the unknown camera person pulls back her covers and gently grazes a pocket knife against her body after taking the money from their clothes the camera person goes into the bathroom and dips one of the toothbrushes in the toilet. The couple heads out the next day, unknowing of the night's events, and the boyfriend accuses the girlfriend of stealing the money, explaining it wouldn't be the first time you decided to treat yourself. I don't like this boyfriend, besides the fact that he kept pushing her to try to do a sex tape, and he wouldn't Mm -hmm. take no. All of that stuff, but this... So, I talked about earlier that I have confusing feelings on this segment. I do think this segment is so slow. I do think this segment is very boring but Mm -hmm. once we get that creepy woman it quickly evolves into one of my biggest fears and i think that this one in its setup is the creepiest i will only watch this between my fingers when the assailant or whoever is controlling the camera starts doing this creepy shit because home invasion is my number one fear and the (laughs) setup of its realism and because we got those boring shots it feels too real to me and feels like a snuff film and makes me very uncomfortable it yeah now that you mention it it does like have these like snuff film undertones i agree i am for whatever reason i'm like 
home invasion is a big fear for me. Maybe it comes from growing up in the hood. I don't know. Amen. It is. It's very real, um, especially in the weird way that the camera person just like grazes Stephanie's the voyeurism with a knife. Yeah, the voyeurism. Like they were getting some sick joy out of it. Um, it's and, very uncomfortable. And the dipping of the toothbrush in the toilet. Now that so I was petty. on board for, honey. I was... <laughs> he deserved it. He had it coming. Because the next day, the next shot is of him waking up in the morning, brushing his teeth <laughs> with said toothbrush. It's such a great payoff. It's such a weird moment of humor that I adore. And I think it's it's this segment and like i said it's it's a back and forth because then we immediately go into the couple heading out the next day and we immediately go to we're at the grand canyon and the couple makes their way around the edges of the canyon getting in some places as it looks like they shouldn't be in certain areas and that segment also lasts a very long time and i don't think is necessary no there was no payoff there there was no reason that we needed to have that at all I think it was a moment of breath for the audience, but I think that breath lasts too long. Back in their hotel room, they change course to make stop in Vegas. They are once again recorded in their sleep, only this time the boyfriend's murdered horrendously with a knife to the jugular. After a very intense bleed-out scene intercut with scenes of the getaway, we cut to the bathroom where the killer is washing the knife. It is revealed that the killer was Stephanie! <laughs> And the person recording was the woman from earlier! <laughs> they make out in the bathroom, and we cut to them in the car, making a getaway. Stephanie asks, did you erase it? And the tape cuts. This death is so brutal, and it lingers on him for such a long oh. time. It reminded me of like one of the films from Sinister. Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Because, like, you think it's just going to be another creepy take of the killer, like, recording them. And all of a sudden, he just gets a knife to the Ugh. jugular. And it just, oh, oh, there's so much blood. And you can hear him choking on it and, like, gasping for air. Because this one, I really thought that we were going to get another quiet moment. So it takes you off guard with within, like, the first two minutes of the, the girl recording and just immediately going for it. It is very visceral. It is kind of hard to watch. Because as it continues to cut, it's I think it's a such an interesting character move and so smart on the part of Ty West who wrote this one. Having Stephanie extremely uncomfortable with Sam at the... Is it Sam? Mm-hmm. Yeah, having Stephanie incredibly uncomfortable with Sam at the beginning when he wanted to just kiss her on camera, she has no problem making out with her new Thelma and Louise. She is so <laughs> she is so on board for it. I, it's Let's such a be great character, here. best character choice, and it is such a great twist. I think it is such a great twist. Same. This is, but it just it took. There, it a was lot. a journey to get there. <laughs> it was such a journey to get to that twist. But I I guess, for me, the payoff of the twist was worth the, the story. I would I say so. Maybe, I, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm, let me think about it. Let me sleep on it. I don't know for sure. <laughs> I would say so. Because I do think the, the con was long, honey. Okay? Like, mm-hmm. this one took a lot of setup. But the home invasion qualities of it, the way it's shot... And then the kill at the end, I do think is worth it. I think it's really worth it. Okay, that's fair. I do. I love the twist at the end. The twist is great. We love to we love to see revenge lesbian seeking women. <laughs> we love it. We stand on this show. 
We are back in the home. The tape is ejected, and the man exclaims, What the f*** was that? <laughs> we join the other men downstairs in the basement where they are all still searching for the elusive tape. Did you catch multiple times? The I have. I love. I love tape 56's use of the dead body. The dead body consistently moves every time we cut back to them. And mm-hmm. it is so creepy. I love scares that don't go boo. I uh-huh. love scares that don't go boo. And I think that's really set up. I have... Mwah! Muchos gracias to this crew. <laughs> I caught that. It's great. I love that. I love the subtleties of the the quote unquote dead man. We are moving on to segment four, titled Tuesday the Seventeenth, written. <laughs> into- <laughs> I I love that. <laughs> uh, written and directed by Glenn McQuaid, starring Norma C. Quinones, sure, as Wendy. Drew Moreline as Joey, Janine Elizabeth Yoder as Samantha, Jason Yakinen as Spider, and Bryce Burke as The Glitch. We jump into our next tape. We join four friends on their way to a lake. They scare a man walking on the side of the road. In the car, it is revealed that Wendy lied to each of her friends to get them to come along. She told Joey, the cameraman, that it was just going to be them, and that she had told her friend Samantha that it was just going to be the girls. Our setup immediately, it feels, I love that this one is called Tuesday the 17th, because (laughs) all of these characters are straight up out of Friday the 13th. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, like, it's the setup of them at a lake as well. So it's totally, a, like, Friday the 13th ripoff. I, I dig it because we have Samantha, the blonde. We have randomly named Spider as, like, the, the nerd. We have hot, hot mm, ass Joey. Joey. I'm going to talk about Joey so much. And then we have Wendy, who's our presumed final girl. They're all assholes. But I dig the setup immediately of wendy lying to every single person to get them to come here it is such an it is so weird and no one finds it weird (laughs) they really i mean they kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for they kind of confront her about it because they were like well you told me this is gonna be like just us this weekend she told me it was gonna be an all girls weekend it was like something out of the brady bunch or something it was very (laughs) (laughs) scooby-doo and then they were just like they let it go because she was just like uh-huh. I just kept driving. That's literally, that is literally how it plays out. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Let's go scare that guy. Aren't you guys ready that to go guy. swimming? <laughs> they drive to a dead end, and they begin to make their descent into the forest. She asks Joey to get a shot of this crumbling wall for some reason, and Joey cracks a joke when she quickly snaps at him, explaining the last time she saw her friend, she had tripped over that very same wall. When he pans over to the wall, the video goes all digital and shows her friend's dead body. It happens again <laughs> when he's recording the river and we see a dead body floating in the water. They make their way over to a tree covered in mushrooms and they joke about having a massive trip on shrooms when Wendy exclaims, You're all going to die out here. <laughs> Joey has follow-up questions as they sit around and smoke a doobie. Wendy asks if they've ever heard about the murders, and Samantha shouts, Of course they haven't! I wouldn't have f***ing come if I knew! <laughs> Wendy begins to tell a tale of gruesome murders, but quickly bursts out laughing, leading the others to believe that she was just lying. After Joey strips naked and jumps into the lake and fakes getting attacked, Samantha heads into the woods to take a shit. Spider quickly <laughs> Spider quickly follows to film her like a creep. 
While they strike up a conversation and Samantha agrees to show him her new trial, whatever the fuck that means. She I think she's a cheerleader. Or... It wasn't explained. It wasn't. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> Just as she prepares, a weird digital camouflage predator looking character emerges and throws a knife into her left eye socket. Spider is quickly chased down and stabbed in the head multiple times with the same knife and is dragged off. Before we begin, I really want to state the digital effects in this one. I really, really like the digital effects in this movie because mm-hmm. it makes it seem like they can't see any of these things and it's only picked up through the VA, like the VHS recorder, which I think is such a neat effect. Like if you're going to use the glitches, use it to the benefit of your story. And I mm-hmm. think that really works extremely well in this setup. There's a lot. I, I, there's a lot I want to talk about in this section because this movie, this section is, I have to state, not the most well acted of all of the segments. It's not <laughs> it, well acted. It's not well <gasps> written. It's not well edited. Oh my it's god! Not well directed. It's not oh well lit. <laughs> it's none of the above, bitch. Stop! He's already dead. This is one of my least favorites. Of is my it? Sh- I agree with the the digital effects. I think they use that to their advantage. I love that they use it for the killer. I mm-hmm. think it gets a little bit corny by the end. It gets very corny at the end. The crowning glory and MVP of Tuesday the 17th is Joey stripping. I'm sorry. I'm a pig. I don't give a f- <laughs> Because if all of these assholes can be pigs in this movie, bitch, I'm about to be one right back. <laughs> Mitch. Yes. <So. laughs> You're about to be the biggest pig they ever seen. I, th- I think he's so cute. He's totally that guy I had a crush on in college who has like that. He does that straight guy thing where he like lifts a shirt uh. and you get to see like. <laughs> you get- <laughs> I agree. I don't, I don't find him all that attractive in the face, but the body, mama. The and body. we get more delicious man ass. Surf it up. The body beautiful. I need some water. <laughs> she needs to quench her thirst. We didn't get any female nudity, but we had male nudity, which I am all here for. Delicious amounts of male nudity in this one. So the setup, I think, is they're ripping off of Friday the 13th and as if, mm-hmm. like, this is their version of it. So when you mention, like, the acting and the lighting and the script and the directing and everything about it. Look, she's crying. What it feels like to me, and I guess this is shade, so cue the shade meter, is this feels like a YouTube video that they brought on to VHS. Ah! (laughs) It does. It's, but I have, I like the premise. I really like the premise. So I want to talk about Samantha's death because she does take a shit because Spider does say, what's that smell? (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing back there? What do you think I'm doing back here, asshole? Give me some leaves. But when she's done shitting, she's like, prepare for awesome. That is a direct quote and then she just like wants to do a backflip and then all of a sudden there's a knife in her face it's <laughs> terrible <laughs> and this is our first kill right this is our first kill this is our first kill no it's awful the that kill was not the tea for me but the uh spider's kill was pretty visceral the multiple stabs to the face was uh pretty horrendous Because Spider runs off and trips, of course. And then the camera falls right on his face, of course. course. And then he gets multiple stabs to the face. It's excellent. I think that death was very well done. 
I also I can appreciate the, uh, the also the use of the glitches where you see the dead bodies fr- from her friends. That was pretty cool too. I don't it, but it's never really explained. So because the film because the killer's digital or whatever, the kills live there forever digitally as well. Like I don't. It just I don't know, sense. but it was a great jump scare. Bitch, this was the one jump scare, especially the wall jump scare that got me because I wasn't ready for the digital cut, the digital like noise to be blaring and just seeing that mm-hmm. dead body. She looked very Trey the ring, you know, when the friend is just like <laughs> with her mouth open. It's very uh-huh. that. I dig. Wendy picks up the camera and makes her way over to Joey, who is waiting by the lakeside. He asks where the others are, and Wendy simply states, They left. Do you want to f**k? Joey tries to make sense of it all, even stating, So they just left their stuff here? Wendy is pressing the sex offer hard. So you don't want to f- me even offering to let him record it he says he remembers the murders and that she wasn't lying from behind joey i would love to get behind joey moving on we can see the camouflaged killer beginning to approach she continues to explain that they never caught him and that she needs bait to prove it just then the killer approaches joey from behind ow and slits his throat Wendy immediately runs away, and the killer manages to catch up to her, but not until they fall into one of her traps. She goes back to record him, but it doesn't show up on camera. Why can't I record you? As she hides and records a message for anyone who finds the tape, Joey makes his way back for an anticlimactic plop down onto the ground. Wendy finally gets what's coming to her as the killer stalks and finally guts her, ripping her intestines out, ending our tape. Wow. That's a way to say that. So, Wendy doesn't care about her friends' deaths. I don't think they were friends. The way that they talked made it sound like they had just, like, met, like, she just started classes, and they're like, hey, you want to come hang out? I would never. Never. I would never. So, well, obviously, she doesn't care. She she picks up the camera and goes over to her mm, bubble butt boyfriend, who's still sitting. Oh, no, he's got shorts on by this point. uh, Who's still sitting by the lakeside. He quickly realizes, like, wait. Those murders are real. Like he, he starts to begins to realize like these things really happened. But he still got like his frat boy smile on. Like he still smile. Hey, those murders happened, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's so crazy. I get it. Yeah, PTSD. I understand. Oh my god, is this where it happened? Oh, here, take a picture of me. Uh, I'm dead. <laughs> uh. Because from here, it's just Wendy, and I, I don't want to say she's not a she's not a good actress because that that's just mean to say. I do want to say that I don't think she was able to like hold the rest of the movie because when she is talking and like yelling at this glitch thing, it's honestly, it's pretty funny because Mm -hmm. it's just, it becomes like, becomes like a parody of, of it with, with itself. And when she does die, the death is once again, super glitchy. They love cutting their deaths with the glitches in this whole Mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. So it's, it's fine. It's, it's just no payoff. Like I said, it feels like a YouTube movie, and I state that only because it feels like, hey, we've got, like, two days. We're all going to be here. I've got this camcorder. Let's do this really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Gorilla style. Yeah, it's very that. All T, all shade. It's definitely, like, I feel like one of the prompts we had in film school. I just wish, and I guess there was no way to do this without 
pulling the audience out of the fact that they're just watching VHS tapes. But I wish there was like a title card or something in between. Me too. Because I felt like if I had known going into this, if this was called Tuesday the 17th, I would have made the direct references to Friday the 13th. Because even though like I, I kind of pieced together everything, it wasn't until right now when we, when you when we were reading the breakdown that it was called Tuesday the 17th. Because you don't know the title of any of this watching it. You really it doesn't don't. say anything. So I feel like if they would have just clued the audience in onto what these segments were called. Just a little more. It might have helped the audience tune into what the story was actually trying to say. I would say, I would, I would agree with that. I'm here for Joey. Watch for Joey. Yeah, I'm just here for Joey's ass. So meaty. We are finally wrapping up inside the home invasion for tape 56. The men from the basement make it back upstairs only to realize that the other men are gone. But he left his flashlight and camera behind. The alpha male instructs his goon to stay and watch the tapes while he looks for his other henchmen. And he does as he's told and he pops in our next tape. For our next segment, the sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger is directed by Joe Smomberg, who was just in the segment The Second Honeymoon. He played Sam, so I find that great. Starring Helen Rogers as Emily, Daniel Kaufman as James, Liz Harvey as The New Girl, Isaiah Hillman as Boy Alien, Corey Lynn Fitzpatrick as Girl Alien, and Talia Hillman as Little Girl Alien. Ow. Yeah, come through it, Alien. F*** yeah. Come down from <laughs> <Woo>! space. <laughs> We're somehow watching a couple have cyber sex through Zoom, but on a VHS tape. Don't ask too many questions. We <laughs> gather that the boyfriend is away at college, med school to be exact. She shows him the spot in her new apartment that she's been hearing footsteps. He doesn't believe her, and as she says, fine, next time it happens, I'm going to call you, and you can see for yourself. We then cut to her video chatting with him later at night. She tells him to listen, and we hear a faint thud. She gets up and points the camera at her doorknob that's been rattling. She opens the door and reveals nothing, just a dark, empty hallway. She sits down to explain that this has happened before. She begins to tell her story of how when her father got transferred when she was 12, but her story is interrupted by a ghost child that runs in and slams her door shut. The next day, her boyfriend tries to chop up the incident to a breeze. She complains about a lump under her skin and how it's bothering her. You're right. I We have to state the elephant in the room. Everything else is like 1998 or like VHS recorder. How are we getting a Zoom call? Whatever. Exactly. I'm going to let it pass. Let it pass. It's fine. Just let it's it the... go. <laughs> this one is, this one slows down for me. Some of the beginnings of these ones slow down. I like the format change though. I will say that compared to like the shakiness of someone's VHS cam. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You get more titty shots. Yeah, if you like that sort of thing. Ah, not on this show! <laughs> <laughs> it's it's whatever. It's I think all of them. I, I think all of them essentially, like, lag in the beginning. Because like you said, it's a setup. Like, you have to kind of set the audience up for what we are about to um, endure, I guess, with this segment. And it is quite the scandal, really. That night, she hears the noises again and gets up to investigate. She didn't have a flashlight, so she uses her camera's flash to search her living room. After four flashes, we see a child again, and she runs out of the room. 
The next day, Emily has literally picked a huge hole in her arm, and her boyfriend expresses great concern and says that this is just like that time with her leg. The next night, she tries to commune with the spirit. She says she can't look at him because she's scared, so she uses her boyfriend and camera to see them. Three child ghosts appear, and she quickly is taken down. Her boyfriend magically appears and cuts a baby out of her through her back. It's f***ing weird, and he's talking to someone off camera who we can't hear. It is explained how how he's lying to her, and the child is only half human. The thing in her arm is a tracking device, and they have to make the whole thing look like it was an accident. (sighs) So this movie, for me, this is where it just gets convoluted, because I didn't know the ghosts were alien children until I read the freaking IMDB to tell me that these poor kid actors were playing alien children. Because I thought they were ghosts. So I thought they were ghosts too. Essentially how it boils down is that we get another incident. And within this incident, she all of a sudden gets knocked out after seeing these children. And then in comes her boyfriend, who is not in Michigan, (gasps) but is secretly taking part in this and is communicating with other aliens. It is... It is a twist, yes, but is it a good twist, I have to ask? No! If your twist requires more explanation and it leaves your audience still wondering, what the hell just happened? This is my least favorite, I'm gonna state that now, of Mm -hmm. the segments. Because you're right, the shift changes different, the format changes different from everything else that you followed. And this payoff doesn't really work well because I want to I, I want to get to the end so we can talk about the full segment. But We cut to the next day or a few days later. Emily has gone to a shrink her boyfriend suggested and was diagnosed as a schizophrenic and bipolar. He tells her to get some rest and she professes her love for him. We then cut to a new video chat with a different girl, but yet the same boyfriend. She has the same problem with her arm, aka the tracking device, and he tells her the same thing he told Emily. Leave it alone. I'll look at it when I get there. And she takes off her top, and he's a perv, and the tape ends. So it's like another twist of him. Mm -hmm. It's a twist within another twist that just f***ing work. I don't mind that he's, like, working with, like, the aliens to do... Like, if your setup was better, I feel like this payoff would have been better. But it it just makes me ask more questions than I want to have. <laughs> so, so what I what gathered from this is that, yes, he's working with these so-called off-screen aliens that we never saw. Or even heard or anything of the sort. And I guess he's just helping them impregnate women with baby aliens. Which, spoiler alert for anybody who's watching uh, this season of American Horror Story, hello, double feature. This is exactly what this is. Nobody's watching double feature. (laughs) There are people watching double feature, just because you're not watching double feature. This is, uh, it's there. I don't know. It's, It's a thing. It happened. It's on VHS. It's solidified in history. It's just messy. It's just messy. There's there's too many... This is very... This is... Ah, yeah, you're right. This is very much American Horror Story. They're just like, let's throw ghosts and aliens and zoom. And then he impregnates <laughs> her. And then she's going to gouge out her arm. And let's just I'll, throw a bunch of shit in there. And then throw some titties in at the end. Twice. <laughs> twice. Two titties. Four titties. Two pairs. We are now back in the room. Alone. Even the dead body in the recliner is gone. As the lone survivor searches for his friends, he finds nothing but their dead bodies, one by one. As he turns around, the dead old man is following him. He panics and runs. As he does, he falls down and hurts himself. As he lays there defenseless, the old man towers over him and attacks. 
even appearing to transform when he kills. This magically plays the next tape, and I think this is a pretty good conclusion for 56. I just wish I could have seen these horrible assholes' deaths. That's my only complaint with this segment. Yeah, I mean, you kind of, you get quick flashes of their dead bodies. This is true. We also do get a head rolling segment, so who doesn't love that? Wholesome fun for everybody. Uh, so we're moving on to segment six, titled 10 1998 directed by Radio Silence. They are a trio of filmmakers based in L.A. It consists of Matt Bettinelli, Open, Tyler Gillette, and Chad Villella. Matt and Tyler went on to direct Ready or Not of 2019 and soon to direct Scream 5 of next year. We have our eyes on you. Those are some pretty big bangers. I love Ready or Not. Obviously, we're going to watch Scream. Uh, written by Matt Bettinelli, Open, Tyler Gillette, Justin Martinez, and Chad Valella. Starring Chad Valella <laughs> as Chad, really. <laughs> Matt, really? They all just started this themselves. MBO as Matt. Tyler Gillette as Tyler. Paul as Paul. Nicole as the girl. John as a cult leader. And Justin as a passerby. Boy, they really, they really got creative with this one. I, you know what? Say what you will, but this is my favorite segment. One of All my right. favorite segments. It's a segment. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. You said what you said. Now you're going to have to defend this shit, bitch. Read all about it. Oh, wait a minute, bitches. Now we are finally on our last tape. It's Halloween night, 1998. Four friends set out for spooky night on the town, or a house, or a house party, sure, whichever. Debauchery. <laughs> After a journey on the freeway, they make it to the house, only it's empty. Lights are on, but no one home, and not a soul to be found anywhere around the home. After making their way to an unlocked back door, they let themselves in and begin to explore. They begin to experience some supernatural phenomenon, but are chopped up to Halloween festivities. They, be- they continue exploring the house when they hear preaching coming from somewhere inside the home. They find their way into the attic, where there seems to be some sort of exorcism or witch casting going on. The boys try to join in on the fun, thinking it's all part of the fun, until the men begin hitting the woman. That's when an unseen force begins to kill off the other men participating in the ritual. I think this segment is fun. I think this segment is fun. You think it's fun because it takes place on Halloween, and the men are like, it's Halloween, let's go to this party. And so they walk in on an actual ritual, thinking it's part of the show, only to get over in the end i get it i think it's such a fun concept it is a fun concept but all of these segments take so long to get to the fun part the beginning is lit and i boiled this shit down because it is a good 15 minutes of them getting ready setting up the camera drinking driving on the freeway getting out of the car walking up to the house going around the house Cracking jokes, getting it on. It's so long. It's so long before we finally get to the attic where the shit is going down. You're right. This has been our biggest complaint with this particular movie is that these setups take quite a bit to get to where they need to get. This is where I'm going to argue with you on it just because I do think that this setup 
is more entertaining than the past couple of friend groups that we've had to hang out with. Because this friend group, I care about their dynamic a little more. I love when they make start making fun of each other's costumes. One of them is a nanny cam. He's a bear <laughs> with a That's nanny. That's how we get our footage. I love I that. I love that. That I will give you. That costume and the way we get our footage is great. Then they make fun of their friend. Call he's he's a fucking Unabomber. Really, you can come up with a better costume. I think it's great. I also really dig, and they are well aware that they set this in 1998 because they have to use a legitimate fold-out map <laughs> to get around yes. LA. Uh-huh. And I think it's great because it explains why they end up at the wrong house. When they do get to this house, they think it's a. F- haunted house production (laughs) and they have a great time going room to room they think it's fun i think the scares are good because again it's not a boo it's a well turn this way (gasps) ghost girl (gasps) ghost girl's gone (laughs) so like it's (laughs) i think it's i think it's fun this is the number one segment out of all of them this tone out of all of them is fun compared to all the other ones Okay, I agree. I agree. I will give you that 100%. My biggest gripe, as I've stated, and we've both stated, is the setup, bitch. Mm -hmm. But I agree. Once they get to the house, it's all fun and games for both of us. Like, it's fun and games for them because they think it's fun and games. And it's fun and games for us because we know it's not fun and games. Like, when they finally get up to the attic (laughs) and... What is it? What are they chanting? I don't know. They're, like, cheering them on. During the ritual, they... Those partaking in the ritual keep stating, come on, or something like that. So they start cheering with them, and they're like, oh, oh, okay, you're taking your job super seriously, shouldn't (laughs) shouldn't be involved. I think it's fun. I agree. It's fun once we get to the attic, and then things really start to ramp up. Because Mm -hmm. then... The boys fight off the men and cut the woman loose. And just then, the other men are dragged off by other unseen entities. And arms begin to penetrate from the walls. As they make their way out of the house, windows are closing in on themselves and hands are coming out of the walls. Inanimate objects are levitating. It is full-on haunted mansion by this point. (laughs) They manage to get out of the house and back to the car with the woman, only to have it stall about a block away on some railroad tracks. The ghostly woman appears outside of the car as a train quickly approaches. The last thing we see are the blinding lights of the train coming at full speed at the boys. We cut to blue and get our title card. It's a swift ending, honey. So, the, when the woman, when they do cut her loose, they have to full-on carry this woman out of this amazing haunted house. I will say the special effects don't exactly age well. It is 2012. You are limited with what you have. But mm-hmm. I... My favorite effect is seeing the window on the door close in yeah. on itself. Uh-huh. It is so subtle and so effective. Every door they reach for turns into smoke and they can't escape. So when they do escape, you are breathing with them. They get the woman in the car. Once they get to this particular train tracks is when the woman starts like convulsing and she disappears. I love this segment because it's a it's another semi kind of twist where the ritual was partaking in killing this woman and you see why they were trying to kill this woman yeah it is so good did you know about the alternative ending to this movie no so on this particular one instead of them getting killed by the car that passes by they get out the car explodes they start laughing oh my god i can't believe you almost killed us you didn't open the locks right no no don't worry i know how to get us out of here and the film ends 
it's a joke ending. It's just yeah. meant for them to have the film. But I think they deserve to end up this movie. Everybody yeah. deserves to die in the fucking movie. I I dig. I think it's so good because the escape route is so good. The visuals of the hands coming out of the walls is so simple and so good. And the levitating objects, the windows closing in, all of it's just like very bait and this isn't shade like very basic level like spooky haunted house type shit but it works so well in this like found footage platform where you're kind of just getting glimpses of it happening rather than like it being cheesy and campy i would say yeah you're totally right this is where that found footage quality really aids your filmmaking because you can cut away from special effects that you weren't able to do you can just throw something and then have someone react to it Mm -hmm, this is where mm -hmm. i think that found footage is super super freaking effective it's definitely forgiving for first time like directors or actors or if you don't have the budget for like the lighting or the effects that you want you can definitely cheat these things a lot easier in found footage lens all right we are finally at the end of our movie and before we can give our overall scores let us rank these short films so how are you going to rank these guys from your least favorite to your number one segment so right off the bat, the one that I like the least is the sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger. Because you still don't find out what happened to Emily when she was younger. It doesn't <laughs> make sense. The alien ghost thing just doesn't make sense. I think yeah. it's, there's segments of it that make me cringe. Not because like, oh, this is bad. But be- when she's digging in her arm, it's it, it's bad. And I think the twist is fine. But it is definitely the weakest out of all the five for me. I would probably do Tuesday the 17th. I prefer that one because I think it has a little bit more storyline that I enjoy compared Mm -hmm. to the sick thing that happened to Emily. Especially for Joey. Joey ranks that higher because man. (laughs) From there, I would say it's probably going to be 1031 1998. I love the setup. I like these guys. I think it's super fun. I really have to give credit where credit is due. And in a weird spot... It's going to be second honeymoon for second place for me. I know I complained about the beginning and the setup, but the finale of it still sticks with me. And it is one of those segments that I watched as a young kid and made me feel gross. And as an adult, I still felt that feeling, which just shows me that when the scary stuff does happen, it's really effective. And that for Uh me puts it in its second spot. But absolutely, number one is Amateur Night. I like you is iconic. <laughs> like, how could I not place her at my number one spot? Wow. I know. Wow. I know. I I thought for sure 1031.98 was going to be your number one. I agree with segment number five being my least. Sorry. Excuse me. Uh, the sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger being my least favorite. It left way too many vague open endings. Like you said, we never found out what was the sick thing that happened to her. <laughs> yeah. It just, it wasn't my favorite overall. Above that, I would have to put 1031.98. As much as, even though the ending of it was really good and it ramped up Mm -hmm. at the end, that like 15 minute, 20 minute long segment in the beginning to lead up to it was so long. I was practically falling asleep by the time it started to amp up. I mean, you're allowed to have your opinions. Those opinions can be wrong, but you know. Shade. Next up on the chopping block would have to be Tuesday the 17th. It's just another filler movie for me. That's fine. I didn't care for the killer all that much. And yeah, that's it. Second would be Second Honeymoon. That twist ending was so good, hunty. So good. I loved it. We love to see a lesbianist moment. <laughs> and then my number one is, like you said, Amateur Night. The I like you. It was such a good opening to like... 
our watching of these VHS tapes and a solid opening. Solid. I would definitely say it. Absolutely. I find it so funny that our first two and our last one match, but the other ones are where we kind of get cross. <laughs> hmm. 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 So overall, for this week's recommended rental, what are you going to give this flick? Are you going to rent it? Are you going to return it? Are you going to buy it? When I first watched this movie in 2012, I probably would have bought it. I loved it. I remember I just, in my head prior to rewatching it for this, I just remember loving it. I thought it was groundbreaking. I thought it was the end all be all. But upon further inspection for this pod, I'm returning it. I think I had nostalgia glasses on when I was referring back to this movie. And upon further inspection, there's just so much to be improved upon. There's so much to be edited out of this movie. Wow. If I could get my hands on it, I would sit there and be like, like snip out all kinds of shit. Because there is so much filler. 30 minutes of this movie. Minimum, bitch. Minimum 30 (laughs) minutes. So I'm I'm returning it. Say it. Say it. Let's hear it. For, For me. Honestly, I'm gonna rent it. I like it. I think your complaints... Well, there's no accounting for taste. Period. So I know your complaints are 100% valid. I also agree. There's a lot that you can cut from this movie. But I also see that within found footage, you need a setup. Like any film, you need a setup. And unfortunately, within this category of found footage, this is the type of setup that you can do on a budget with what you have and how you can essentially establish your story. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of it that I like, though. There's a lot of really creepy moments. There's a really effective special creature designs that I really like. I think it's good. I would watch with friends. We're all drunk. We're all high and having a good time. I think this movie's a good time when you don't have to pay attention to the slow parts. <laughs> it's in all, all tea, all shade. So I'm going to rent it. I I liked renting it today. I watched this before this one, and I thought it was still good. I still got scared. Honestly, I, I like I said, I haven't watched this in years, so I was really excited to watch it when I did. I was like, I really liked this that much back then. Like, what? And I, honestly, I think all tea, all shade, like, I, I sort of agree with you. I think it's better consumed in a, a community setting with libations and marijuana um so yeah maybe maybe it could be a fun popcorn movie for you and your friends but if you're trying to like sit down and have a meaningful conversation about a piece of cinema this is not the movie for you mama for next week our next film to aid in our halloween hangover is a gateway horror film that was eagerly awaited by an entire generation that was haunted by the original source material Next week's recommended rental is 2019's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I've never seen this. So this is even my first watch. I'm so excited for you to watch this movie. I'm really excited to watch. I wanted to watch this at the time and I just, I never got around to watching it and I still have it. I've been putting it on the back burner. So now I really, really have to watch it. And I'm pretty excited because I know all of the effects were done in camera, if not most of. So uh, I'm really excited. We stand practical effects. I'm stoked. I think it's going to be a great one. I think it is a fun gateway film. I have a feeling you're going to enjoy it. So I really hope. Can't wait. You, If you like what you hear, you can follow the Queens on Instagram at the Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter is at Carpenter Queens. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. 
And my personal account is at STFU Ray. If you like what you heard, y'all can like, rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you are listening to our podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Ew. or Anchor. Ew. That concludes this week's episode, Queerdos. We hope you enjoyed and tune in next week to hear our thoughts on scary stories to tell in the dark. I'm so stoked. We love y'all. Thank y'all for listening. So stay safe, stay queer, and we'll catch you on the next one. Catch you on the flip side, y'all. Bye, 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 bye.